0: Hey, everybody. It is Jeremy England, one of four music teachers at Ohio Virtual Academy, and I am joined on the airwaves across the internet in this virtual world uh, because we are a virtual school at Ohio Virtual Academy with another music teacher from our same school, Miss Daphne Check. How are you today, Daphne?
1: I'm doing really good. How are you, Mr. England?
0: I am well, thank you. I'm excited about today's topic because we're getting closer to... Uh, our timeline. I mean, we're essentially in 20th century music right now until somebody deems it as something different. So,
1: yeah, and I have a lot to say about this time, this uh, era. Yeah, <laughs> all kinds of stuff to share.
0: Yeah, get get excited because we were talking before we uh, started recording that this is going to be Ms. Czech's time to shine as a percussionist, where it really kind of we we start to treat these weird instruments like percussion and even the saxophone as real instruments. You know, they have matured, they've grown up, they're getting out of the house for the first time, and uh we get to hear some cool music from them. So get ready. Uh, yeah
1: so so psych.
0: <laughs> so twentieth century music, uh just you know, to give a brief timeline, starts in you know the twentieth century the nineteen hundreds <laughs>
1: uh, good uh, call Mr. I know, <laughs> I know
0: right uh gosh, good thing I get paid teacher money um, <laughs> and so there's a, there 's a there's a lot to unpack, and I would say this there is uh this whole breadth of music is all the way from very classical in the broad sense of composition. Uh, And we're not as much interested in that. That's cool. Boring, you know, Uh, but then all this crazy stuff, like weird harmonies and um, weird rhythms and weird techniques towards instruments and even towards, uh, towards voices and stuff. It's, a lot of it seems like it's there to make you feel uncomfortable. And what what's interesting about that is as we've talked through all these other periods of music, all these other harmonies we've added that we just accept as normal today, like, you know, uh, half cadences <laughs> or the tritone is just um, that feels normal to us. But I have to imagine that some of the same complaints that people were having back then would have felt uncomfortable and weirded out and not really like music as we know it today. We're probably living in that with this 20th century phase that we just are a part of right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you're you always going to have this time where people really question, is this really music? And I always kind of felt like that the beginning of 20th century is where this question started because thing it gets weird, y'all. I mean, <laughs> it just straight gets weird at this point. And it's... um You know, you might say that about current music. There might be something on the radio that you think is weird. Uh, But this all starts when we get into the beginning of the 20th century where everybody was like, hey, look at all these new tools we have. We're going to throw them all into a blender and see what happens. It's also, I think, worth mentioning that I feel that the 20th century, that 20th century music is very divisive. Yeah, because this isn't something that most people will just say, Oh, that's okay. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it because it is so weird. It is so crazy off the wall. And, and I, I am in the love it camp because I'm weird and we'll get into in a minute as a percussionist, why I love 20th century. And I think we've talked about it a little, but I'll, I'll delve into it a little bit more. Um, but it's really worth mentioning about the, you know, we get this is a super divisive time, Um, especially when we talk about some of the when we get to John Cage in particular, um, you have strong feelings, I think, in the 20th century about whether you like this or don't like this.
0: I am in total agreement with you, and I love John Cage, and I am also in the... um, loving new music camp especially the question of what is music because I'm a very uh, philosophical musical type person I suppose I really do appreciate the old stuff but I love when people challenge stuff and put themselves out there which this whole style is and I've been pretty lucky that uh, you you got to be exposed to it through uh, your percussion skills I'm, I'm guessing a majority of the the interest and stuff is from there uh, uh, as I've mentioned before, I went to BG and we host a very large uh, new music festival. It's been going on for about 25 years now. I could be wrong. It might be even a little bit longer than that, but a new music festival where uh, a ton of people come in and they bring all this crazy wacky music and uh, it's like uh, just a whole festival to celebrate this style of music so they have a pretty good new music program one of my uh, best friends from college was a new music composer if so that's like a, a genre you could consider yourself in but you know <laughs> messed with all the electronic stuff and all that jazz
1: Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Did you say when that was? I'd love to come up there and see that sometime.
0: You know, I will uh, put a note in here to find that data and put it in um, when it is. So uh, new music. This is live and (laughs) in-person show notes.
1: I I can see him editing the show notes right now, (laughs) y'all.
0: Yeah. So it's a pretty, yeah, Bowling Green has a pretty strong new music uh, presence and importance in the world. So I, I love it. I love the crazy stuff that we're going to talk about. But before we get there, we're going to start a little bit more. Um, Boring for you, new music people. <laughs> and that is. Beyond... Uh, no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, impressionism. And so, just like every style has had a technique or a composer that has crossed over, the, the bridge composer or the bridge style of music, that's no different from the Romantic period to the 20th century and this style of music is called impressionism and what impressionism does is it takes the techniques and the emotions from the romantic era and it starts to explore more unique and deeper connections uh, to feelings and emotions through dissonance and so can you remind us what dissonance is?
1: dissonance is a time when you're listening to music and it doesn't feel good. It feels clashy, it feels tight. Um in terms of chord structure, it might be that the pitches are very close together in ter- in half steps. Like if you're counting half steps, they might be very close. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't resolve. You know it very clearly when you hear it.
0: Yeah, and so some amazing um impressionism so one of the best is w c that's my wife's favorite and I really happen to like him as well a piano uh composer and we will have a link to a song called Claire de lune uh is that right Claire de I always put an extra i always put an extra "la" in there but yeah Claire de lune <laughs>
1: I think I do too <laughs> um
0: it's a you'll recognize it as soon as you hear it but when you hear it I want you to listen to the kind of the dissonance that you get in there and um, read the comments on the YouTube uh, clip that's in there, and it will explain exactly like the emotions you're feeling. Like my favorite one was like, I feel like I'm I found something that I didn't know I lost. You know, stuff like that. It's just very uh, connected to the human emotion, and. I think it's because it uses a lot more dissonance because as we know as humans, as you, listener, know as a human, our lives are complex. And we have more than just happy or sad or angry or loud or soft emotions. We have everything in between. And that's what adding dissonance allows a composer to do.
1: Absolutely. And it's just a different tool. You know, it's just another thing you can pull out of the tool chest here. You know, we, we come, we've studied times where, you know, dissonance was super frowned upon because you didn't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And now you get this opportunity to really do that and use it. So, um, and I think when we start talking about 12 tone, um, dissonance lends itself really easily (laughs) because you have to use all the tones. Right. So (laughs) we'll talk about that in a second, but, um, it's, it's just a wonderful, interesting tool to be able to have.
0: That's Yeah, that's right. And the more tools you have, the better you can be, I think. You know, the the more expression you can have. Mm -hmm. And so this is uh, actually Impressionism is inspired by the same art movement called Impressionism, which can you name off the top of your head any Impressionist artists?
1: Impressionist artists?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. No. I know.
1: I I would normally maybe. I think
0: that's okay. You, I, I was, you,
1: Monet's not right. Am I he is. My he is. Okay. I was. I, that was who was coming to my head, and I was doubting myself.
0: <laughs> and he's a perfect example of this um, dissonance and um, kind of blurriness of absolutes. Because uh, if you ever look at his art, it is not necessarily clear lines uh clearly defined uh separation it is a lot of um it looks like kind of smudges so if you're up close to it it looks kind of weird but if you take a step back you can uh, see the whole picture but it still kind of retains some of that fuzziness around it um and that is uh, An a perfect example, actually, music was inspired by art. In this case, the the impressionism for music was inspired by the impressionism for art. So now we're done with the boring stuff, right? The classical mm-hmm. stuff that you still give a. Oh, I listened to this when I studied. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I'm gonna mention it again. Uh, impressionism music, especially uh, W.C. and all the piano styles around there, is one of my favorite uh, classical styles, quote unquote styles of music to listen to when I study just because it is just I don't know it just connects way deep down it's not very surface level it just connects to my soul so I don't have to pay attention to it as much but if I wanted to I would feel some sort of way so
1: it somehow forces your focus to get um (laughs)
0: well focused, <laughs> it forces
1: yeah. you to really like zero in. It gives you a little more tunnel vision, because I I agree, you're right. I think I think uh, artists like WC and and all this impression and stuff, it it
0: kind of kind of kind of pulls you into one point. I think it's because it's not so well. It's not as defined or rigid, so your mind is not latching onto that so it can latch onto something else. That's my personal theory, I think.
1: I I think that checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Just give
0: me my doctor. I'm ready to go.
1: That's right
0: Okay, I'm going to play a piece of music here This is an original composition We talked about creativity I've made like four compositions in my life And I had to make one because of class And this is that composition Now we're going to listen to it This is called uh, C-E-G-sharp-A-A-sharp-F-C-sharp-F-sharp-B-D-sharp-D-G Wow That's the name of this composition You ready? Let's hear it
1: Yeah, it's beautiful
0: I will provide prints for that uh, and you can buy that on iTunes and SoundCloud if you, you would like. <laughs> I
1: believe you're going to get nominated for a Grammy on
0: that one. I, the more that I listen to awesome. that song, actually, the more I really enjoy it. Um, and like I said, I've, I've always been a, a sucker for, for interesting music or uninteresting in this case, depending on who you are. <laughs> but um, yeah. this is an example of 12 tone music. So just a a bit of theory, Miss Check. How many tones are in a chromatic scale? Twelve. There you go. Okay, so this style of music uses every single note in the chromatic scale. And it uses it the, the stipulation to this style of music is you create a pattern. You can only use one tone at a time. Uh or one tone in a row so it's like Sudoku if you ever played Sudoku you know one through nine in one row one through nine in a column and one through nine in a box it's kind of like that if you like that logic type stuff uh, one through twelve one time in a row and you have to use every note in that order until you get to the end and then you can go backwards if you want and then you can flip it upside down very formulaic which is exciting to some people but also terrifying to others I'm sure
1: Oh, definitely. It's interesting because I, I, um, remember when I started learning this theory in college, um, it's, it's so very different from how you study music theory up until this point, which is another reason why I like 20th century so much. 20th century is very, um, in terms of, of formulating it, it can be very rigid, because there's there's certain rules but those rules help you to you know it's never going to deviate right sometimes in in previous musical eras where we were studying theory you might get secondary dominant chords and all this stuff and for listeners you don't need to know those things right. but it can be really weird you get to 20th century and it's just like filling out a chart as a matter of fact, when you study 12-tone and when you get into serialism or you do fill out charts, Mr. England, did you – when you were in college, did you have to fill out those matrix where you had to have prime all down the side? Mm-hmm.
0: You said serialism and that just brought me right back. Like I just mm-hmm. – <laughs> I forgot that word. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and, and that's – and normally that's not my thing. I'm not um, particularly analytical – but I found this really easy to do because the, the another interesting prospect of or a feature of twelve tone music, when you're filling out these charts, which is our students, P.S. You don't need to do this because this is what I'm talking about right this second is pretty advanced twelve tone stuff. Um, but when you fill out these charts to figure out all of your rows, like because you can have different kind different numbers of rows, when you're filling out these charts, it's it's very black or white. You know, there's, it's just, it's always going to be this. So when you're writing it, you just look at your chart and know what's coming next. (laughs) And it's, I I always found that super helpful. So to me, that was a very positive thing about 12 tone.
0: Yeah. It's fun because you can be uh, very black or white. Like you have a set order and a chart literally that you follow. And as I was making this composition, I thought how fun it was to, find the creativity listen to last episode uh yeah Uh, (laughs) to find the creativity within those confines which ended up being uh pretty fun uh for me you know but it's Mm because i'm a music nerd and so
1: i'm down for it man (laughs) yeah that's because you're a
0: music nerd too so (laughs) the, the champion of this style was a man named arnold schoenberg um, and he just—if you think of Schoenberg, you think of twelve-tone, or in the broader scheme of this whole genre, atonal music. So atonal, a before a word typically means without. So atonalism is without tone. There's no tone center. We're used to do re mi fa sol la ti do. Do is the home note. Do, and that feels comfortable. In atonalism. Uh, you don't get that safety. <laughs> You're out in the cold, cruel world.
1: <laughs> it is. It is very cats on a piano. That's a, that's another way I describe atonalism. It's cats on a piano. If you look, listen back to just what you said, it's kind of random, or at least it can be interpreted as random. Um, yeah, and you are out in the cold, and this is partly where this gets divisive, right? Because we don't have a real tonal center when we're talking about atonalism. There is no home chord. We don't go home. We are, we're roaming the streets at night is what we are doing in 12-tone.
0: <laughs> and so to bring that, here's uh, going to be my segue. It is, uh, you talked about cats on a piano, and you talked about divisiveness. And one of my favorite pieces in the whole musical world is something that people are going to say that's not really music and i'm here to argue oh, of yeah. Bring what it. what is music <laughs> and so mm-hmm. this this next man we're going to talk about uh, he writes a song called 4 minutes and 33 seconds it is a piano piece I'm laughing already by the way <laughs> it is a I'm giggling <laughs> solo piano piece that has also been adapted for orchestras and bands and the like and what makes this um, so unique, this piece, 4 minutes and 33 seconds, so unique, is it is literally the opposite of Cats on a Piano. In, in fact, uh, nothing goes on the piano. You just go out to your seat, you sit down, and you sit there for 4 minutes and 33 seconds, and you get up and you walk away. And some people would argue... That's not really music. They didn't play anything. And I have two arguments. First, there are a bunch of rests written, which are a, a an accepted musical notation. So therefore, if there are rests, there is music. It's just silence. But what makes this so unique is that every performance, there is not one performance in the world of this song that is identical. Because they challenge... Uh, That music is simply the auditory sounds that are around us. We organize these sounds as composers and as musicians into a structured, organized format. And we've been studying that all the way back since we first started this podcast of the organization of music into certain orders and patterns and uniqueness of sounds and how that's changed over time. And what John Cage would argue, maybe I'm just arguing this for him because I'm very philosophical, <laughs> you know Keep it up. A,
1: you're saying all the right yeah, things <laughs> is that
0: uh this chaos is just random chance, and so that brings us to this thing called chance music, where uh the if you're like a a spiritualist or a universalist that chance decides music. As humans, we have organized the music or these auditory sounds into into structure. But if you just let that structure fall apart, then every sound you hear is just unorganized music. So when you sit down for four minutes and 33 seconds, what you're hearing is uh, the squeaking of the floor, like me talking right now. I can hear my kid downstairs like singing a song. I can hear my voice talking. I can hear cars outside. These are all auditory sounds that can be music and so we have to challenge what is music. That's I love John Cage.
1: I know. I'm I'm totally with you. You know, I think to add a third point to what you're saying or maybe a sub point here, I think we get into this higher question of what is art, right? Like we get this a lot with visual art or theater or whatever. And it comes back to well, who is to say Right. what is music what is art i think you know there's no one person this isn't a uh this isn't an objective observable fact exactly what you know music art whatever is defined by the person who is uh being who is who is inter- is uh, enjoying the medium so if you say for for lack of a better example If Jeremy, if you tried to impose what you think is music on me, I wouldn't really be right because it might not be music to me. Right. And vice versa. So this was a lot of John Cage's argument, especially when he wrote these kind of pieces. There's a lot of people who will tell you 433 is not music. But how can you say that to another person who consumes art? when they are the person who decides what it is for themselves. It's like in a current, current music. If, if somebody, it's like that, you know, how older generations are always telling the young kids back in my day. Music was music. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, right. So, you know, it's the same idea. You don't get to tell the younger kids what's music. that, That is their music. And for some people, John Cage is music.
0: And we don't have a right to really tell them otherwise. Yeah. And here's, yeah, I'm with you. And I would say this. Don't interpret that what I'm saying is I would love to go listen to four minutes and 33 seconds every day of my life. Oh, no. Because it's exactly what you're saying is uh, art is subjective. And this all sounds very pretentious, right? But if you don't have these bigger conversations, then how can you analyze the human? Um, And you can't, or society for that matter, so, Dropping
1: some truth bombs yeah. right there, aren't you, Mr. Yes. England? And that
0: <laughs> That ladies and gentlemen is why the study of the arts is not just to support other subjects, but it is crucial to the understanding of humankind. My soapbox is down. Okay. Ha-
1: That's going to be a hashtag. Hashtag yes.
0: (laughs) I don't know how many E's that is, so you have to fill it out for me. I'll
1: work on that. I'll get get back to (laughs) y'all. Nice. Okay,
0: so one more thing I want to say about John Cage is he had this other idea of something called prepared piano. And this is kind of like uh, an important segue, I think, to electronic music, which we're going to get to next. And just to touch briefly, prepared piano is... Uh, as the name implies, preparing the piano. And so what does that mean? Well, you know, you sit down at a piano, you press a key, it hits a hammer, or you, it raises a hammer, which strikes a string or three, and it lifts the damper and it vibrates the string and makes a sound. And that's all very good and well, and you can play loud, you can play soft, you can say smooth, you can play short. Uh, prepared piano, in John Cage's world, would take like a bucket of ping pong balls and throw it into a piano and then play music because it creates a different sound. When you put a whole bunch of ping pong balls in a piano, the sound is different. It would be like putting clothespins on certain strings so it mutes it a different way. Or, you know, just anything that you can do to make the instrument different than what it was before is good. And so I think what that says to me is they're getting bored with what the sounds that can already produce are, which takes us to technology, the advancement of technology, specifically electronics, because this is all technology, but we get to electronics, which is at the very earliest, combining pre-recorded elements like nature sounds, if you will, for example. Uh, I just did like so many segues there. Nature sounds, for example, <laughs> with live music is a, the very like basic type of electronic music. And this is where I'm going to kind of let Miss Chek take it away because she has written uh, three composers in here, which I'm super pumped to hear uh, about. So go ahead, Miss Check, Take us away. Tell about electronic music
1: yeah so um just a little bit before we go here electronic music was kind of my gateway into 20th century appreciation um as a uh let me backtrack a little bit here as a percussionist um you've probably heard me mention that we don't really start getting any real music for us for a while um you know violins have been having music for centuries now we don't really, like, we don't really, the credit is really given to a piece called Ionization um, that was written, I can't remember the year, but like late 1920, early 1930, uh, a piece I played in college and it was strictly a percussion ensemble. Um, and most of the credit for finally getting percussion on the map is due to that. And so, Once I discovered that piece, that's when I really took an interest a little bit into 20th century music because I realized that my instrument was being represented, which is a big deal. And so um, in my journey after that um, came about electronic music. And when you talk about electronic music at this point, you're going to talk a lot about minimalism and minimalism is exactly what you think it is. It's using a limited number of phrases, notes, something like that. Um, and maybe you're repeating them over and over, but you're not using a ton of stuff to be decorative in your music. It's really one simple thing that um, might be overused, or I, I, maybe I shouldn't say overused, but definitely used a lot. And um, the three composers came to my mind, one being Terry Riley when he wrote NC, and, um, it's basically sort of one of the first, if not the first piece that's considered minimalistic, um, and I, to be—I've never played NC. I'm not super familiar with it outside of just knowing my history here. But um, it's a piece that can change each time because that's another piece of this. Um, NC is—you can use different instruments for this piece. Um, it, it's literally called NC, by the way, folks. It's like the word in. And then the letter C. Um, So uh, yeah, but you could use different. There's been different combinations. If you go to the Wikipedia article about NC, um, there's a list of record times. It's been recording, and you'll see the list of the instrumentation list, and it's different every time.
0: I saw this performed in college once. Did uh, you? And it was. It was. You're right. It was just like it was a whole bunch of music majors that were taking a class together, and uh, you know they all had different instruments or voices, and that's what you got. It was. Mm-hmm. It was like just like an impromptu performance, if you will, because it was just like mm-hmm. in a classroom, but it was like, you know, just it just was cool. You know, it was random music, but mm-hmm. structured. So
1: Yes. So you're taking that little bit of argument from chance music where you're like, is this really music? But you're putting some structure on it here. Um and that's I think really cool. Um, so, so, you know, we got, you can't, you can't talk necessarily about electronic music slash. I probably should have in our show notes, put slash minimalism, but, um, oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, so Terry Riley, definitely look him up, check out NC. I believe the album that NC is on is uh rainbow in curved air. See if I really know my history. I'm po- man, I know a thing. Okay. So, um, then, my personal probably my personal favorite was is steve reich and i've i've followed him he's probably the guy who got me into all this um he wrote a lot of work for percussion um very much using the minimalist technique where um he just would take a phrase and you'd play it over and over and over again and um it's this is another one of these cases where you could, well, is this music? Cause it's just sound repetitive over and over again. Well, yes, it is folks. I'm going to say yes. Um, mostly because I've played some of his work. Um, there's a piece that's probably my favorite piece. Um, and I'll see if I can link it in the show notes. Um, it's called six marimbas and it's literally that it's six marimbas. Um, and you really just play the same thing over and over for an extended period of time. Um, it's originally from a piece he wrote called six pianos, but he just wrote it for percussion. Again, please note, we're writing for percussion here. People weren't doing that. And so um, again, some of my love to him um, for recognizing percussion as a valid uh, form of music. Um, But to tell you about six marimbas, I if I'm remembering it as well as what I believe I do I really only had three measures, three different measures in the whole thing. And it takes about 20, 30 minutes to play. Um, and so you just repeat over and over again. I remember that there was, like, you were, you're suppo- mine was supposed to be counting the measure over and over again. But in the end, I think you just kind of timed it because. I mean, you're playing the same measure a hundred times before you move on or something like that. The hard part with this is making sure you all stop at the same time because you're playing straight for 20 minutes or whatever the extended time is. And you all just have to let go at the same time. If one of you even dinks a note after, well,
0: you're I a dink. Got to keep going.
1: <laughs> right. Right. So I'll find a link. It's, it's, but here's the thing. It, it, you've got to listen to the whole thing to really get the scope because then you only hear this one, six people playing the same measure over and over and over again. Each of the six marimbas changed to a different measure at a different time. So you get like slightly different chords. You might have, um, and maybe chords isn't even the right verbiage here because it's not really block chords as we think of them, right? Because it's 20th century. Um, but you definitely hear some pitch changes. Um, so I'll see if I can find a note, but, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Steve Reich. And finally, Philip Glass, uh, again, he's just a ridiculous composer. He's written some really big works. I put him in here because I met him. Um, and it was, (laughs) I totally fangirled y'all. Like I totally flipped out my friend. He was doing a premiere piece, um, I think in 2011, 2012 with the Cincinnati orchestra. And, um, when I found that out, I was so excited. And at the time my friend worked for the Columbus or the Cincinnati orchestra. So I drove down there with some friends, watched it was just, saw him on stage. I was so happy. And then afterward, uh, my friend pulled me aside and she goes, come on, we're going upstairs. And there was this little reception and she didn't tell me. And all of a sudden Philip glass walked out. (laughs) And I almost just fell down. Like, I know people would probably like freak out over Post Malone or whatever. But like I I freak out over Philip Glass. I almost cried because I just studied him so much in college. And, you know, he was just such a lovely, lovely man. And I've met some famous people before and I don't really get too start like starstruck. But I, I like really had to try hard to remember my name when I met Philip Glass, because to me, he is like the rock star. He's he was involved in 20th century music, all this stuff that I studied. And all these folks, you know, one of the people who actually wrote for percussion, and he was just such a lovely, warm man. And you all should just meet Philip Glass. And you should listen to his work because he's amazing, too. So yeah, that was it was amazing. I still like smile and giggle when I think about meeting him because he was so wonderful.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Okay. I'll stop fangirling. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, Checks. uh, review on electronic music (laughs) and a a composer crush so
1: oh my god yeah sorry i I drifted (laughs) y'all point being electronic music you take a sample you play it over and over and over again and you slightly shift the time so that it sounds different each you know like as it phases in and out there's literally a piece called piano phase and it literally does that. So, okay. I'm sorry, Mr. England. I knew I was afraid that was going to happen. I, it's knew all I was going to totally geek out. So. <laughs>
0: So as we continue on <laughs> into, Sorry. no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, what makes uh, this new music very approachable to us today is um, the the use of technology in our lives. So we even talked about last week, how do you be creative when there's these programs you can buy or use on your phone or computer or iPad or tablet, whatever. Uh, back in the day, electronic music started. Um, well, some of the first music like this was cutting tape uh, back you, know, you had to cut a piece of tape off and tape it back together and play it. And that's how you got samples and stuff. And, um, now, the, the biggest program that you could use, I know a lot of my friends were using in college uh, for new music type stuff to trigger some of these samples or, or whatever is a program called Ableton, Ableton Live, A-B-L-E-T-O-N. And it goes anywhere from $99 to like, uh, I think, $700 uh, it is what a lot of DJs use. Actually, it's a live performance DAW, digital audio workstation. But what makes that a, a unique program is you can put samples in like an Excel-style grid, and you can just cue them whenever you want. So if you're playing um, an instrument or playing along with a sample like this, you could cue a clip whenever you wanted it. You can build timelines and stuff. And another, so Daphne geeks out about the percussion side, which is expected and right. But the other instrument that gets a lot of love during this time, actually, is uh, the saxophone because the saxophone is still a relatively new instrument in the world of new music. And so they have a lot of uh, a lot of the advanced techniques and a lot of the techniques that you learn on the saxophone uh, are pretty unique. They use stuff like uh, quarter tones. So you have like a half tone, a, a whole tone. They use like, quarter tones a lot in the, their newer music. And there's a lot of new music written for saxophones because there's not a lot of old music written for saxophones because they weren't around.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um,
0: And then one last composer I want to talk about only because uh, he uses um, the internet to do this really cool project, and that's a composer named Eric Whitaker, who if you are in choir or ever have gone to choir, you know – well, I think he's kind of a polarizing figure too because he uses a lot of unique tones and a lot of unique – Harmonies for singers, and what makes it cool is they're all voices, so uh, it's just this unique wall of sound. There's a lot of ninths, seconds, sevenths, thirteenths, which are kind of like jazzy chords, uh, but for voices, and he just layers them in a unique way. But that's all well and good. But he has a couple of projects, maybe three now, definitely two uh, something called the virtual choir. And what he does, what he did, is he took all these samples of people singing a song that he wrote, uh, recorded a video of them, or they recorded a video of themselves, submitted it to him, and combined them all into one big project and essentially created a virtual choir out of hundreds of submissions. The second one had like thousands and put them all together into one large piece of music, right? So it was a very unique and interesting virtual project.
1: I think one of the coolest things about Eric Whitaker is not just his knowledge about music, but his knowledge about technology and how to incorporate both of them. Uh, you know, yes, you're right. He can be a little bit polarizing depending on who you talk to, but you can't deny the creativity here. I, I don't think you can because who we live in a time where, you know, we're still trying to figure out how to make music ensembles perform Virtually, uh, a question. Sometimes, frankly, we ask ourselves as teachers here: is that you know, is that something in our in our realm that we can do? Sometimes, and I think he's setting up blueprints for how that would look. Um, and and if you're interested in this, folks, he's on Twitter. I follow him. Um, he's he's always posting stuff. Sometimes it's just about Los Angeles, <laughs> but, right? <laughs> but he, I don't know if you follow him, but um, but yeah, he's definitely worth checking out and seeing seeing how he, he's really able to pull music and technology together.
0: What's cool, as Daphne has alluded to with her meeting of Philip Glass and then following uh, Eric Whitaker on Twitter, is these are real-life people. You know, Hans Zimmer, who's a huge movie composer, also probably newish music, uses a lot of new music techniques. Um, these are all living, breathing people that are are composing today, which is super cool that uh, we have this access to people who are creating new music on the forefront and the edge of, of the musical world that we get to be a part of. We're caught up now in the world mm-hmm. of, of music.
1: We're and The the other thing is we're becoming part of the history now. Yeah. Because a hundred years from now, when people are doing their podcasts, you know, other teachers are doing their podcasts about music, you know, back in the day, you know, th- this will be all history to them. And then it'll be something totally new.
0: And they'll point to our podcast as an inspiration. Obviously.
1: Obviously.
0: hello. One thing, uh, (laughs) we talked about dissonance in the past. I just wanted to play, I had a a few cue samples before we head out. Uh, Definitely. The first two are going to be normal chords. So here is uh, a normal chord. Okay, so, oh, let me go back, Sorry. I'm messing this all up. I'm going to have to edit this out. I'm just going to leave wow. it in. I'm going to leave it in to show how bad it is. Okay, here we go.
1: It's not bad. It's uh, warming up.
0: It's just chaos. It's just chaos. Uh, chaos. Ch- this That's is ch- it. Chance music. <laughs>
1: this is chance music,
0: y'all. Uh, there's going to be two chords that play that are just normal triads. What we know is traditional music. Do, mi, so. And then another one. Do, mi, so. And then we're going to stack them together. This is a, a technique that you would use in new music. And so that sounds pretty crazy, right? So here is another one called fourths. This is where somebody like Eric Whitaker would be using his new music techniques. It takes a triad and expands it out a little bit. So here we go. That's one of my favorites. I love that one. It's just so open and just those... It's it's also, if you play a guitar chord, if you play three the bottom three notes on a guitar, it is this type of chord, a fourth chord, an uh, open fourth beautiful and here comes cats on a piano are you ready this <laughs> is just a this is called a tone cluster I love that sound some all people totally here all we go in. one more time just for fun and anybody can play this chord
1: <laughs> it's the truth
0: it's here's, the truth I always joke I love new music but I always joke that it's it can be kind of a seemingly pretentious Genre out of all the styles of music we've oh, studied totally. only because we can rub shoulders and it's very polarizing. And I always joke that like you can write anything as music, as long as you have a really good paragraph as to why you think that it's music. Right. So <laughs> it's uh, true. And if you can define what you're challenging as an artist, uh then you probably can be at least notable in some way. It's like when you go to an art museum and you look at like the streak of paint on the wall and you're like, what the heck is that supposed to represent you know <laughs> but yeah, you got right? you got to read the description
1: <laughs> so. right exactly that's so that's a good way to put
0: it yeah so <laughs> i think with that uh we, this is probably our longest episode which is all right because it's the the closest to us we're we're in the now, the as, now. as my
1: as my fault it's
0: <laughs> I, all good.
1: I told i told Mr. Ring before we started i said it's gonna be long it's gonna be on me
0: it's, it's totally all, gonna be
1: on me <laughs> it's
0: all good So you can – oh, I do want to say if you're our student, of course, uh, thanks for listening. And um, our finals are this week or next week, right? This is our last week of class. Next week is the last official week of class. So that means uh, winter break is coming and then finals. And so – Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's so unbelievable. If you're our student, do your work. Get it turned in. If you're not our student, uh, enjoy – you know, this time and enjoy yeah. a break and take stock in your life and set your goals. Uh, you can connect with us uh, at, on Twitter at OHVA Music. And you can connect with me at Jeremy P. England on Twitter. So Jeremy P. England, no spaces. Uh, we're on anchor.fm forward slash OHVA Music. And our classes, you have our contact information inside the class. Module. Is there anything else you would like to say before we head on out?
1: Go listen to somebody that we talked about, or go listen to one of these types of music. I feel like when you ask me that question at the end, that's usually my comment, but I stand by it because we're talking about such different stuff. Go listen to it and see how it differs, see what's, see how it compares to what you know. And in this one in particular, in this, in the 20th century, Get an opinion on it. Get in one of the camps, like it or don't.
0: (laughs) That's right, but do it knowledgeingly, knowledgeably. I don't know what that word is. With
1: knowledge and respect.
0: there we that? go thank you oh, oh yeah, boy all all right. a short
1: ride in a fast machine also good oh, yeah. sorry. I,
0: I, <laughs> no you're good I'm just trying to put some approachable new music so check out the show notes we're going to have a lot of links to a lot of newer music that there's, some of it's going to be really good uh, or, sorry some of it's going to be wow. ap- approachable some of it will be very approachable some of it will be challenging to say the least so give it all a listen and you with tell that tell us what you think yeah too. please connect so with talk us talk to us about it Yep. I like it. And with Even that, if you disagree. <laughs> we are done. You all have a great day and we will talk to you later.